Stand tall, stand fast, stand firm media. Welcome to Candid Christian Conversations. I'm Hank and I'm joined by JP. JP, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Hank? I am doing terrific. Even better now that we get to talk. Right on. I'm so glad to be back. So we're going to have a, an interesting discussion, one that sometimes is a little bit of a hot button amongst us Christians. Can Christians drink alcohol or should they? You know, uh, you know we're going to delve into all aspects of alcohol. Outstanding. So can we make a clear distinction between drinking and being drunk? Huh. Well, uh, I don't know of any scriptural standard for drunkenness, you know, a way that you could unemotionally or scientifically measure and say you are now drunk. Obviously, society has standards that they set. Um, but we also know that just because a blood alcohol machine says you're above a level set by man, that you may be intoxicated prior to reaching that level, or you may be functionally fine at or after that level. But in terms of scripture, uh, I can't find anything that explains what it is to be drunk. What we do have are statements that say drunkenness is wrong. So a difficult question. Can we make a distinction back to states and the world? A lot of states will tell you that things like driving buzzed is driving drunk or driving buzzed is driving intoxicated and you can be held to that legal standard. Um, I think the challenge for us as Christians is to consider what Scripture does tell us. And I'll give a couple of references here just, just to kind of get us going before we really explore maybe what the best way or ways are to handle this. Drunkenness is wrong. That's abundantly clear. Ephesians 5.18 commands us not to get drunk on wine and even tells us it leads to debauchery. Matthew 11.19 lumps drunkards in with gluttons and tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> Um, wow. That that um, passage, by the way, could lead to some other discussion on another time because, you know, somebody come back and go, so are you saying I can't be a tax collector yep. and be a Christian? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But but nonetheless, Matthew uh, gives us that statement. Proverbs 23, 19 through 21 says, listen, my son, and be wise and keep your heart on the right path. Those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor. And again, these are drunkards. Um, doesn't say anybody who drinks, but drunkards and gluttons. Lumped in together. Yes. <laughs> and that, that passage, those two tied together, are, are I think are important for us to pay attention to. We'll come to that. Um, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. So... Drunkards and gluttons become poor. Drowsiness clothes them in rags. Interesting. In a warning against moral laxity, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So again, we're not really told what the standard is to measure drunkenness or where it begins, but it, it's pretty clear that being drunk and even le living a lifestyle of drunkenness, uh, being someone that would be labeled a drunkard is not 
uh, an acceptable thing in scripture. No, most certainly not. But this is where we get into the slippery slope. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation in public. So maybe somebody out there that might be, uh, might have a certain viewpoint, maybe they'll look at it from a different perspective, or maybe they won't. But when did Christians, some Christians, I should say, adopt this belief that you can't drink at all and be a Christian? Yeah, that's, um, I don't know that there's an answer, you know, a date or, or something like that. Um, with a few passages that I mentioned above, it's clear that Scripture makes a distinction between drinking and drunkenness and certainly being a drunkard, just like it does between eating and gluttony. And remember, I said, I think it was interesting and important that those two were tied together in the one passage and other permissible things that have an impermissible companion, things that we know are good or acceptable and yet taken to excess or to an extreme, we're told that that's not good. Right. It it seems to be that way with just about every good thing you can have. You can also have too much of it. Yeah. And here's an interesting um, passage to consider in the context of adopting the belief that we can't drink. Uh, In John chapter two, while at the wedding in Cana, Jesus turns water into more wine when the wine ran out. This is recorded, interestingly, as Jesus's first miracle in Cana. So it's not just, uh, oh, and he did this. It's highlighted that, it, that this was his first miracle in Cana and that, in verse 11. So I find it hard to explain why our Lord would have provided wine to those at the wedding if, in fact, drinking wine alone or other alcohol. I mean, it, it doesn't say other alcohol, but all run the risk of extending it to fermented beverages that have the same impact that wine would. Right. Um, that that drinking in itself would be sinful. Back to conduct that isn't drinking, certainly no one can reasonably tell Christians not to eat. <laughs> no. Because gluttony is sinful or not to talk because slander is sinful or not to enjoy proper sexual relations because sexual immorality is sinful. Um But somehow, as you've observed, drinking became, in some circles within the church, taboo. Yes. And without answering the question when, what I believe is happening is well-intentioned, and I'm not going to say it's inappropriate unless it becomes legalistic, but well-intentioned guidance to prevent something that I think most might believe is easily preventable, perhaps in a different way than gluttony. Uh, you're not going to tell somebody not to eat, but you can argue that drinking alcohol isn't something that would be necessary to sustain life. So it becomes very easy uh, when you when a brother encourages a brother or sister encourages sister, or what have you, that say, well, you know, the easy answer is don't drink. And then somewhere along that path came rules, perhaps at denominational levels, if not um, characterized otherwise regions or what have you, that drinking is just not acceptable. And I have found that there's a lot of things that we'll get into in the future that we've had the same application apply, mm-hmm. you know, put on. It can be money. People, you know, there's certain subsets of Christians, right? That, you know, for better or for worse, that will say, you know, don't, don't go chasing all that money. And, you know, and, and you may be just happy you're getting a better position, better job or something. Mm-hmm. And they put a negative connotation on the money itself when we know right. that the love of money, you know, is is the pathway to all sorts of evils and, and things like that. 
Right. Um, that's and a money. difference between needing it, something you need, and then something yes. you're just obsessing over. And and having a thing, money's an interesting example because it's different in many ways than alcohol. Money, it, it really comes down to the heart of the person and the possessor of the money. I think you can't put lines or amounts, you know, on a chart that says above this amount, it's it's too much. What really happens is almost like the the widow who puts what she had you know, it gave what she had to her. That was an, uh, an incredible amount of money while another person may selfishly cling to that somewhere in the middle, guided by maturity and responsibility and sensitivity to the spirit is that range where we, we are expected to bless others with what we have, no matter what that is, our gifts, money, food, shelter, or anything like that. And uh, it, it's easy, I think, for us uh, as fallen men and women to try and create a standard, then we can just legalistically follow and say, see, we're good. Yep. Um, and I think that's what's going on with alcohol. We see it less so with some of these other things, I even including money. But in reality, it, it seems to be a theme that comes up with me. It's been a theme in my life is there, there is a thing that is real called liberty that we enjoy as Christians uh, that liberty can quickly become license if we handle what we're allowed to do in an immature way or a reckless way. Um, it also becomes easy then to take liberty and constrain it and make it very legalistic. And then with good intention, by the way, you then limit others who should be free to do something you may struggle with or somebody right. else struggled with. I, I saw a fellow have a real hard time with money. So Hank, you should, well, you know, <laughs> I don't believe we're supposed to handle it that way. Right. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, kind of, that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it just gets to be too overreaching. You don't have to answer this one in a personal sense, but have you ever seen any type of pushback when a Christian was going to have a beer or a glass of wine or anything like that? Have you ever uh, seen anything like that? I have, I don't mind answering it personally. Okay. Um, I have. And I suspect many others have as well. Sometimes it comes in the form of a of a gentle question. Um, maybe that gentle question is actually a criticism that's a little bit dressed up, uh, or a statement. Other times, I think it's a genuine. You know, it is genuine. But I think that well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna dance around with this a little bit as we as we talk. But if you're knowingly walking into a group of believers who you know or suspect hold a, a stern position on the consumption of alcohol, it may be prudent not to offend them. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm going to drag that back to liberty in just a second. Uh, even, um, but I, I've had people ask me personally, they'll either hear that I drink, which I don't mind saying, or um, they'll see me participate in consuming some sort of a beverage and they'll ask me either at the time or later, uh, you know, don't, don't you think that that's wrong or whatnot? I have never been confronted in an ugly way by anybody. And I frankly rarely been confronted. Um, I'd like to think that's because I try to not be drunk. Like oh, yeah. for lack of a, I know what the line is and I will err on the side of caution and try not to even get close to that line. But that doesn't undo the fact that some wholeheartedly hold the position you shouldn't drink. Right. And I, and I have been confronted by them, again, never in a, in a harsh 
since. And to my knowledge, I've never truly or deeply offended somebody by drinking in a way that, it, um, well, that alone or that it resulted in that kind of a harsh uh, confrontation. If I did, you know, I hope God would forgive me for that, but the individual never approached me if it was really an acute act in their mind, something that was very bad. Um, I will say that I have been uh, criticized over this, um, but it was not by a fellow Christian. It was by someone who was not a Christian. I was at a restaurant and uh, I had some food. I had a, a beer and I was praying over my food. And the individual essentially said I was like a hypocrite or something to that effect. They had the, the rule in their head right. that you shouldn't be drinking. Right? Exactly. And I was like, uh-uh-uh. You know, <laughs> I said, no, uh, there's, I'm being responsible. There's no way that this is, uh, you know, with reckless intent. So right. I think it's all about your motivation. Yes. You know, why are you? Going to, do you want a beer because you love the taste of that beer, or do you want a beer because you had a bad day? I think there's a, right. a real line of demarcation where if you cross over, then it becomes a problem. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned I was going to bring this back to liberty in this context. So you or I go into a place, we know or believe maybe somebody there could be offended by the consumption of alcohol. Here's the what I believe is a very important distinction between freedom and liberty, especially in the Christian context. Freedom is a and, and I'm going to I'm going to be loose with these definitions to make the point. Freedom is the ability to do something and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. You you are not wrong in doing the thing that you are free to do or if you want to add right and wrong into it, you may be wrong in the thing you do, but, but you can't really be judged by it. You know, that, and I said, I'm being loose with these, this definition. Um, and you'll see why in a second Liberty, which a lot of us use synonymously with freedom has, has a different burden associated with it. Freedom is you are free to fill in the blank. Liberty suggests in its classic use that while you are free to do a thing, let's say drinking, you may choose to restrain that freedom for the greater good of somebody else. And a theme of mine, a favorite theme of mine through scripture are these kinds of places where I believe we enjoy liberty. Something is allowed, but maybe some, that doesn't mean you should do it all the time, or you should do that thing in front of certain people if you know that they have a problem with it for the greater good of the body or perhaps the impact of your witness. Um, you can you constrain yourself, not because God said it's wrong, the thing you're doing, but because you want to be sure you don't create a stumbling block in essence. I like that. I like very well put. What would you tell other Christians who are concerned about the dangers of alcohol? It's never wrong to abstain. That would be something just short of a mandate not to drink, right? It's not wrong to abstain. And abstinence is definitely prudent for a host of reasons, or maybe in a variety of circumstances. In this context, and when considering permissible conduct that we know may cause us to stumble, you cross the line unintentionally into drunkenness, for example, or it causes somebody else to stumble. Uh, you cross the line into drunkenness unintentionally, but other others around you see that. Or just consuming the alcohol 
may cause somebody to stumble. Why not err on the side of caution? So this is what I was talking about with the concept of liberty. R.C. Sproul wrote about this use of alcohol, by the way, in a a devotional that he put together. Uh, And he wrote this, yet while scripture condemns drunkenness, it nowhere says that consuming strong drink is in itself evil. In fact, wine, not unfermented grape juice, is viewed as a good gift of the Lord, as recorded in Psalms 104, 14, and 15. He caused the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man. What a great passage. Oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. False guilt attaches to many people in this area because some traditions have prescribed a rule against alcohol when no such law is present in the Bible. However, this particular distortion of guilt feelings can be complicated since authentic guilt may occur even if a person drinks without ever becoming drunk. He's going to make a point here that is almost one of those, uh, wait, what did he What did he say? But it's a wonderful warning or caution or piece of advice for all of us, I think. God's word says that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin, Romans 14, 23. If a person believes that consuming alcohol is wrong and takes a drink, he has transgressed what he believes is glorifying to God and has therefore chosen sin over his love for the Lord. The sin is not in drinking the wine itself, it's violating the conscience. Wow. And uh, when I came across that devotional of his, it struck me hard, not not because I, oh my I think I'm doing a a wrong thing here. It was, I had not thought of that aspect of the Christian faith, that when you're sensitive to the spirit, uh, you belong to God, that if in your heart you hold a position with the greatest of intent to please God, and that position may be more than what God requires, nonetheless, if your love for God is fueling that position, don't drink. I pressure you, I show you the scripture, you say, you know what, everything you show me makes sense. I don't see that there's a law that causes us to abstain from strong strong drink. But in your heart, it still troubles you. You should not drink. Um, And it's because of the conscience, which for reasons only known to God, maybe perhaps known to God and you, there might be a reason why he's calling you to show restraint or even abstain. So what would I tell other Christians who are concerned about the danger? Abstinence is never wrong. Err on the side of caution, I think was the phrase I used earlier. I uh, used to date a woman. She was not a Christian. We were friends in school and we ended up dating. And she was so perplexed that I could buy a six pack and that six pack would still be going weeks, maybe even a month (laughs) later. She literally would get angry about it. I don't understand how you can do that. Like, why did you get it in the first place? You know, all these different things, because I could just have one and then none for weeks. It's almost viewing it like food, right? Well, you bought all this food and to eat it, you're not just going to let it sit there for weeks on end. It'll go bad. <laughs> you, the beer is fine. <laughs> you recall when we had a conversation about some people drinking a small portion of wine to try to combat bacteria or bad food or, or whatnot. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, I bought a bottle of red wine after that conversation and it's still almost all full. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Cause I tried it. I just, I just poured it just a little, like an inch 
and I tried it with my meal and I was like, Oh, okay. and then I don't think I've touched it since. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That was travel advice given to me by a, uh, by one of our docs that traveled with my unit that I was in, in the military. I like that. I thought that was, I, a really, that was really kind of really good, uh, good little idea. You know, if you're in a pinch somewhere where the f- yeah. food is pretty questionable and stuff, it's a good thing to yeah. know. And it's, you know, it's not a cure all. It's not an excuse to drink. No. Um, but that was interesting coming from a, you know, a medical doctor, a scientist. Most certain. Um, I've been places where I've been horrifically sick as a result of what I'll say is just the atmosphere. Oh, wow. Um, just the environment around you, the cleanliness or the lack of cleanliness, eating MREs or meals that we brought with us that were packaged akin to C rations or MREs or what have you, drinking bottled water, and yet still got sick just because of what's in the air. Um, yeah. Or other places where I've had, you know, like so many others do, you kind of get the stomach upset or whatnot from eating things, but eating all the things following the rules that are given to us to eat as safely as possible. So if, if something like a, you know, a, a little bit of red wine might help ease that, what a, what a blessing that is. It is. And, uh, it's ironic that most of the, uh, things that can help us out are just simple, simple things that we've been give, given on this last one where we are going to discuss are there instances where you don't think a Christian should drink? And I would like to lead off and simply say, I think in situations where you have an idea, an inclination that the drinking could lead to a sin. So if you think to yourself, you know, I lost a sibling or I lost a close friend or something, and then I think that would be some point where you should purposefully fully uh, abstain from having alcohol or anything right. where you think that it could daisy chain to something that would then be an issue. Hank, would that be the same as if you were emotionally distraught saying, I'm not going to get in the car and drive or I'm not going to. Yes. You don't want to do anything that would cause, certainly not cause sin, but even to cause inappropriate uh, consequences, I guess. I don't know what the, you know, you want to avoid damage and preserve life and respect what God has done in in us and our bodies. It doesn't glorify anybody if you wipe yourself out or end up committing a sin based on what I you could almost argue in certain circumstances, enabled by the excuse of something like the loss of a friend. Well, right. how would that person feel about that if they were watching you, you know, and they're like, wait, Hank just drove himself into the ground, you know, um, went went from mourning to tying one on because of me you know right. <laughs> i don't know if i'd want to put myself in that position either i think you're right on so there's just certain circumstances that you just have to know yourself I, I mean at the end of the day we're all flawed and i try to know myself like what situations might yeah. not be good for me what situations would be good you know if I, i'm going to get agitated frustrated uh irrational or anything, you know, any kind of situation. Yeah. Um, I think that it's best to know yourself and be honest. And yes, and if you use that as a guide on multiple different topics, it could come in good handy. Any final thoughts right, on this right. whole subject? One scripture that I'll share because I danced around it um, as I wrap up. First Corinthians ten twenty three. Um, cause I, I referenced this in some of my 
comments or my verbal thoughts. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And this is going to, I think, highlight or enforce, reinforce what you just shared, your perspective, Hank. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Eat anything in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. A word of caution here with that, you know, as as we consider final thoughts, context and common sense applies, right? These passages aren't excuses for license. Um, They're not. Obviously, uh, what's the argument that I had heard one time about? Somebody quoted this and said, so you shouldn't be critical of me taking these drugs, smoking marijuana, because God made it so it's good. And, you know, the, the, the flippant response might be, well, God made poison ivy too. <laughs> so, you know, what, what do we make of that? But I think in this context, you know, that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial or constructive. So across the church, there are real and genuine heartfelt differences on this issue of alcohol. Um, I think if we're mindful of that, we're mindful of our own conduct and our own limits. We're mindful of the brothers and sisters around us, mindful of our witness. Decisions on when and where to drink, certainly on how much to consume, informed by that, should, as a rule, I think, keep us in a pretty reasonable place. Err on the side of caution, not because you're legalistic, but because you care more about others. And and as I mentioned, that the others could be people who are not Christians, just as you talked about in the restaurant, right? right? And while it's easy to make a rule, I'll just never drink in a restaurant. I won't drink in public, only at my house or whatnot. Well, um, I think if God had intended that, he would have given us that rule. Right. Um, it kind of goes back to being sensitive to what the Spirit of God is telling us. And we've all, I'm sure, had those moments where something doesn't feel right, or maybe something we're encouraged to do something that is right. And you think, man, that seems so arbitrary. It's so random, but maybe those are the little urges that while we can't directly say, God spoke to me in that moment, and this is exactly what he told me to do, that may very well be the nudging of the Lord, right? That might be the Holy Spirit that's just saying, why don't you get a, a glass of water or a Diet Coke or something instead of that beer today. I don't know why. I don't know anybody here, but you know what? Maybe I'll just do that. There might be a reason that that's in my heart. It comes down to maturity and our striving to make sure that we help keep ourselves on solid ground and we help we help the body for for Christ's sake. Obviously, not for our own. Amen. All right, JP. Always a pleasure. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. I was looking forward to it, and it did not disappoint. Uh, thank you, brother. But. Let's put it out to the audience. What do you think about consuming alcoholic beverages if you're a Christian? Do you think it's just a no-go or do you think it's okay in moderation? We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email us at feedback at standfirmmedia.com. We'd love to hear from you. But that is going to do it for this edition of Candid Christian Conversations. For JP, I'm Hank. Until the next time. We're signing off. Stand tall. Stand fast. Stand firm media.